out. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the Lord uh, told me to tell you that he must finish your faith. He, he, he must finish your faith. He is compelled by his covenant to finish your faith. In Hebrews 12, chapter uh, chapter 12, verse 2, it says, starting this word, verse 1, it talks about all of the patriarchs of, the, of our faith who have gone before us. And he talks about them being a great cloud of witnesses. We're one family in heaven and earth. And this uh, cloud of witnesses is there to encourage us because they laid the foundation for our faith. Verse 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily and run the grace with With our eyes fixed on Jesus, or looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set at down at the right hand of the throne of God on high. So we're going to talk today about how God finishes our faith, Jesus finishes our faith, especially in the realm of healing. If you'll turn to Mark chapter 5, there for you, and I believe that God is going to heal in this place today. So if you will just believe, just listen, incline your ear, give it your full attention. Don't be distracted. If there's somebody that you you haven't seen in a while, you see them after the meeting as well. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus for this time. Amen. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So the word, um, let me see if I can define a couple of words for you. The word author, when it's used here, it really means to be the captain, the leader, or the first inventor of something. So the faith that we have is the faith of God. It's not your faith anymore. When it's put over in God's word, you then step into your inheritance of God's faith. In the Greek games, it was one who admits the contenders and gave the prize to the conqueror. So the captain or author or leader was the one who manages the race. He was the one that determined who won and and gave the reward to the one who won. Finisher really means someone who is a judge and a coach at the end of the race. So there's a person standing there, you know, like the uh, marathons we have here now, you know, the people standing on there to encourage the runner. Man, that's Jesus. He's the finisher. It means the encourager to keep you in the race until the end. The one that he's there to help us uh, play by the rules so that we can win the prize. Bible says that if you're going to strive for mastery, you have to strive lawfully. You know what lawfully means? It's some people don't do a lot these days. Huh? All the steroid abusers and you got me? Well, there's no steroid abuse in this, 
in this race that well you got to strive lawfully if you go get anything from god you can't cheat you can't uh there was one lady one time years ago one of the first marathons they had in new york city they saw her on the subway and she got took the subway to the finish line and got off and threw some water on her head and jumped up in there and they gave her wanted her the prize that's why they have all those cameras, surveillance cameras around. Those weren't put up for the bad people. They were put up for the race cheaters. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so if we're going to win this race and get the prize, and we're really attaining to the stature of Christ, you're trying to get to where God wants you to be. You're not trying to get to where you, you somebody else is expecting you to be. Amen. You're trying to to attain to the goal that God has set for you, and only really you and God know what that is. And so others may have a glimpse of that. You know, we may get a piece of it through through the spirit or prophecy or something like that. But only God knows how he's conforming you and what he's expecting of you. But uh, no matter what you do for God, if you do big ministry, little ministry, almost no ministry, you are called to conform to the image of Christ. That is God's principal goal. And he will get that accomplished because he must complete your faith. Amen. So um, in in uh, Mark chapter 5, and go to our example, we'll start in verse 22, I think. Verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by the ship to the other side, many people gathered unto him, and he was near unto the sea. And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Now, this was a big deal for a ruler of the synagogue. More than likely, he was a Pharisee because they were typically in charge of things. There were other sects, but the Pharisees tend to rule things. They were very few of them ever got saved. Very few of them ever got anything from the Lord because they felt that they had a command of the law and Jesus was coming in to wreck their good thing that they had going on. Amen. At the synagogue. And so it's like a lot of times here, you know, we've all been in situations where you you were in a church and you got hungry for God and you went out and got something that was more than the people in there and they turned on you. First time you went out, got baptized in the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues. It's like every devil told every devil in church what had happened to you. Amen. You got the left foot of fellowship. If you didn't get it right away, there was plots against you to do something to get you bounced out of there. And you need to get bounced out of a dead church. Why seek the living among the dead? Huh? You can't get life in a dead place. Now, you might get some people that will, you know, tell you you can be a this or put a title on you or put a name on you. You know, you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. Y'all didn't think I'd go there, did you? Huh? If, you, if you're a, a, a Toyota, you know you're a Toyota, don't call yourself a Cadillac. Oh. Title doesn't really mean anything. God doesn't give titles. He gives the anointing. Amen. Much rather be anointed than to be titled. Praise the Lord. 
You know, you can do more with anointing any day than you can with somebody's paper in your pocket selling you, saying you're this and you're that. You've got to come with the goods. So anyway, in order to please God, that's what you want to do. And so anyway, it says here, this man worshipped him with respect. He humbled himself to Jesus. And in verse 23, it says, and besought him greatly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. So he begins to lay out. The scenario that if you will come to my house, lay hands on my daughter, and pray for her, she will live. That's four things that he's asked Jesus to do. Where did he get that from? The author of the faith gave that to him in some way. You can hear the gospel through the crack of a door and never see the person speaking about God. And Jesus has authored your faith. He ordained for you to be on the other side of that door and had some blabbermouth saint. That's how I got saved. Some blabbermouth saint that wasn't embarrassed about what he'd done for them. Share their testimony. And he authored my faith at that. He began my faith. He started my faith at that point. And at that point, he was commanded to finish it. Got me? Because whatever God does, it lasts forever. He never starts anything. He he is a completer. He is not a quitter. He is not a quitter. And God doesn't put quit in his people either. You got me? We are not quitters. We're going to finish, and we're going to finish strong in Jesus. Amen. We're not going to barely get in there. We're going to finish strong. So his faith told him that. There was a faith that was delivered to him some way. Now, you know how Pharisees are. They didn't show up at a Jesus meeting, most of them. So for this man in his position to get that understanding, God must have seen and had mercy and compassion on him and had him in places where he could hear Jesus preach or he could hear testimonies and people would say, well, I went to Jesus, a Jesus meeting and he came over and he laid hands on me and that's how I got healed and my mother got healed the same way and so and so got healed. So Jesus begins to, to begin this man's faith in him by the report of people that have heard it because this guy's got it right. He says, come, lay hands, and she will live. He had total confidence. He didn't say, uh, maybe she will and maybe she won't. He said, if you do this, she will definitely live. And so that's faith. That's confidence in God. It's not a maybe. It's not a wish or come by and let's see if you got something. Jesus, I didn't heard about you. If you got something, come and try. If you're really God, huh? it wasn't like that with this man. So this was real faith in God, and Jesus was the author of it. So now Jesus has to complete this man's faith. And so Jesus then sets out to complete this faith. He wants to do a complete job here, and he steps in and starts to go with the man. Huh? He, he starts to obey the spirit of faith that this man is expressing. And verse 24, it says, Jesus went with him. 
Jesus never goes anywhere with anybody just to have a picnic or sit around. He is a man on a mission at all times. So when Jesus drops what he's doing and goes with this man, it means that he intends to do exactly what this man says he's going to do. He's going to go in there and lay hands on the little girl and she will live. So he takes off going with her, going with him to see the girl. And at the same time, though, something else happens and something else happens. It says here, and Jesus went with him and many people followed him, thronging him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse when she heard of Jesus. Something gets started on the inside of her. So Jesus really is authoring people's faith and beginning their faith all the time. Anytime the word goes out, he is starting something in somebody that he intends to complete. Don't worry about people that you don't see coming to church anymore. Don't worry about backsliders. Don't worry about hypocrites. Don't worry about, listen, Jesus has all of that. You got me? If he started something in them, he intends to complete it. All you got to do is continue to walk in love and don't look at them too hard or you might go over there and join them. Huh? Just keep your eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. Say just like that. So this woman comes up and she's in bad shape and she heard of Jesus. And came in the press behind and touched his garment because she said something different. See, he, when you, what the, 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 the um, setting in which your miracle comes is always determined by what's on the inside of you that you've heard about God. That's real. Now, there are a lot of people that think, if I just get prayer, I'll be healed. Well, you don't know that that's going to happen. You got me? The anointing is what destroys the yoke. And you can get an instant miracle, but you've got to be believing your faith has to be based on the word of God. You can't sit up and watch TV all day and come to a meeting and expect to get instantly healed. Because there's nothing created on the inside of you by God. He has to author something on the inside. He has to write that word on your heart in a way that's believable to you and something that's easy for you to accomplish. You got me? He's not going to stretch you out of out of shape and, and bend you out of proportion in order to do something for you. His word is easy to be entreated. It's easy to understand. It's easy to grab onto. It's easy to say, I can do this. And so he makes it easy for us, but he bases it on something that we can understand and it's easy for us to grasp. It's not hard at all. When Jesus would preach, he'd give examples all the time in situations that people could easily relate to. Consider the lilies of the field, something that everybody can understand and watch because you watch flowers grow. You can understand the parables of Jesus. So the Bible says he gives understanding to the simple. So he's able to talk to these people by the Holy Spirit 
in a way that makes it easy for them to understand. And she says, you know what? I'm not really supposed to be out here among people. I'm, I'm supposed to be quarantined because of this bleeding. But she said, I think if I sneak in that crowd and I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be whole. God tailors everything to fit your situation. He will tailor make something to fit your situation. He started this faith in these people by releasing his word to them. It's up to them to mix that word with faith. They grabbed onto it, mixed their faith with it, and all of a sudden they had a plan for how this was going to happen. And so they had to get to Jesus in order for this plan to go into effect. So here this lady is. She comes up and she says, I think if I touch his garment, I'll be made whole. And verse 29, and straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her plague. Now, Jesus is the author and the finisher of her faith. Now, she's healed, but is that all that she has coming to her? Hmm? She's healed. She knows she's healed on the inside. See, this is what Benny Hinn talks about, one of his concerns about a ministry like his. And that is that the anointing in those meetings and the gifts of the Spirit operate in such a way that it will remove symptoms and destroy yokes and help people and they will be healed. But he says he gets calls all the time. A week after people have been healed, they lose their healing. Because they go into a situation that does not support that healing that they just received. Remember the young man that Jesus healed and, and he went, the young man went away and Jesus came and saw him later in the synagogue and told him to leave. Why? Because that atmosphere in the synagogue, people had already started questioning him about who healed him. And see, if you get asked enough questions and have to defend yourself with a fragile faith on the inside of you. So when he says, I'm the author and the completer, I've got to complete your faith. I'm not just going to heal people, let them run out, let the devil steal it and make me look like a fraud. I'm going to complete what I started in you so that you can keep what I give you. Because I don't plan for the devil to take anything from my people. And so here this lady comes up behind him and she thinks she's cool, you know, run to the meeting and get healed and run back to the dead church. Remember, Jesus would tell some people, go and sin no more. Sitting under unbelief is a sin once you come into faith. You can't go backwards after you start going forwards. You kidding me? No way. No way. You know, sometimes people like their church, and it's one thing to like something, but it's another thing to obey God. Huh? Like won't get you healed. Like won't get you delivered. And like won't cure your finances. Hmm? One of the major problems among God's people right now is their lack of finances. All the 20, 40 years of teaching we've done on faith for finances and we're still broke. Huh? 
because we've missed something. We've missed something that's very, very essential. You know, there's no substitute for relationship with God. There's no substitute for relationship with God. When you have relationship with God, you always have an open door for an answer for your difficulties. So you're not subject to your surroundings and your environment. If you're free in God, you're free to do whatever God tells you to do and receive what he has for you. And you're not limited by anything because the relationship is there. I can remember being in churches and they would say, well, you know, God won't do this for you unless you're doing so-and-so. And I'm thinking to myself, no, that don't sound right because he did it for me already. I mean, I, it wasn't like I wasn't rebellious or disobedient. But, you know, when you put all these rules and laws on top of God's grace, it kills what God wants to do with people. That's why a hooker can come off the street and go to church, sit there nervous, and go up to the altar and get healed, saved, delivered, and pray in tongues, and you had to tarry four days to get it. Huh? It's the truth. Relationship. Just trusting him, stepping out there in faith, saying, God, I'm yours. Do what you want to do with me, but I love you, and I'm willing to go where you tell me to go. I'm willing to do what you tell me to do. Verse 29, right away, I mean, it was immediate. She said within herself, if I just touch him, not touch him and drink noni juice, not touch him and take vitamins, not touch him and and run around the church seven times and when the Holy Ghost builds the situation where God's going to meet you and heal you. He does it in a way that's easy for you with no add-ons. Do you know the anointing doesn't need any help at all? It don't need vitamins. It don't need pills. It don't need... Huh? All the things that, you know, even some of the things, and, and many of them are good things. I'm not against anybody taking care of their health. But you take care of your health under the word of God. You don't put that on top of, you know, you got, got these, you know, people, uh, 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 all these illnesses that are linked to obesity. And I remember people used to be happy and fat and didn't have all this crazy stuff. And then they'll, they'll, they'll get you to lose all this weight and say, well, the diabetes, you know, if you lose certain pounds, you won't have to take the pills and the diabetes will go away. And you die, die to be skinny. You understand what I'm saying? It's going to kill you one way or the other if you don't get the word on these situations. I'm not, listen, I would love to lose how many I put on, you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I'm working on it. But I'm not going to let the devil put me under the curse. Because I ate another Twinkie and I know I could do without it and I could lose the weight. You understand? I'm not dependent on a weight loss to put me in good health. It'll make me lighter on my feet. I might get up off that chair a little faster. But that is not my key to health. You understand what I'm saying? I know it's not. And many people go through the whole thing they tell them to go through and they still got to take pills. They still lose their eyesight. They still, you got to get under the word on these things. And the, what, this woman, as soon as she did what she said on the inside she was going to do, she was well. 
And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will do the same thing in each and every one of us. He will tell us, if you will do this, then God will heal you. If you will do this, if you will listen to the word, incline your ear to the word, feed on the word, meditate on the word day and night, you get life and health to all of your flesh. It will heal your flesh. What kind of flesh? Skinny flesh, fat flesh, cancerous flesh, diabetic flesh, high blood pressure, pressure flesh. It'll, it'll heal them all. You got me? I was trying to get some. Well, y'all, now listen, y'all know me. You know I trust God. And I'm doing the best I can in the Lord, as they say. Pray my strength in the Lord. But I got caught in a situation. I had put off getting some dental work done. And I just didn't want to try to go into debt for it. or So I said, I'm going to do just, you know, pay as I go, get these things done. And sat up there in the office, and he took my blood pressure. It was high. So I told the Lord, I said, Lord, now, I know these people don't want no lawsuit. They don't want me dropping dead up here with a little shot of Novocaine. That's gonna, you know, understand what I'm saying. But they got their reasons for what they do. It was higher than what they wanted it to be for these procedures to be done and so i told the lord i said well lord i want to get this under control i said i'm gonna use your word for it and so i told pastor shirley get some water pills come get them you know when you're when you're young girls we swap might all but when we're my age we swap water pills you got me so whatever so, so anyway, so anyway, I I I decided I was going to keep an eye on it, and uh, and Rachel takes my blood pressure pressure. I call her Nurse Wretched because she get that thing pumped up and your arm is like falling off. Nurse Wretched on the blood pressure. So I was cool. My little doctor was was taking it. He said, "Huh?" Oh, he said, "I'll just call it, you know." And he put it where it's supposed to be for me. So I was sliding through, doing pretty good, till I get to the end of the trip now, and I got to get an extraction done. So he, I go to another department. So they busted me on my blood pressure. But I was sitting there and I was meditating on the word. And I said, Lord, I said, I did skip taking my little regimen. I was supposed to take my little pills before, three days before I go out, take a couple pills back down. You understand? But we in the word on it, right? We depended on the word. But I got to get past the guard at the gate in order to get this. This is the last thing I got to get done. I got to do this. And so I was sitting there. And I said, Lord, I said, if if you want me to just go to somebody and get treated, I said, I don't care. I said, but I'm standing on the word. I'm standing on the word. The author and completer of your faith. See, if you stay on the word, he's not going to put you on something weaker. You start with Jesus. He's not going to send you to the doctor. You understand me? He's going to keep your health right where it was when you first began to seek him about this thing. I don't care what your symptoms in your body say. And I'll show it to you in a minute that he will complete your faith right where it is. And so as I was sitting there, I heard, you know, these are student doctors. I went back to my old school where I, <laughs> where I got my nurse devil degree from. But anyway, <laughs> I would turn myself in over there. I know better, but I go. And so <laughs> so anyway, I heard their their supervisor say, 
oh, well, you make out a referral for her because that's too high. We can't do it. And then all of a sudden he said, well, on second thought, why don't you go ahead and do that and just have that conversation with her about going to a doctor and having that treated? See, when God's got it, he's got it. And I don't need to be afraid to sit there and let them shoot me. I say, y'all don't give nobody enough nothing to do nothing hardly but make my tongue numb. The rest of it is killing me. So you know what I'm saying. I mean, this little little stuff they shooting up in there, you ain't going to hurt nobody when you're under the blood of Jesus. Y'all got me? So God changed that man's mind right in the middle of his sentence. He was getting ready to write out a referral. Once they put you on that list, you got to go somewhere. But God won't turn you into man when he's already got you. He's the author and the completer of my faith. And so just because I slip up and forget to take my three little pills and I'm putting confidence that they will drop me down to a reasonable level and get back in the word, you understand what I'm saying? As the word is healing me, I got to get some help with these symptoms so I can pass Caesar's gate and get in there and get him to do me some help. So so the end is they did yank the tooth out. Everybody was happy. The little doctors were all glad and well, you know what he said? No, I said, girl, I got this. Don't worry about this. Do you have a regular doctor? I sure do. I got one I see all the time. What's his name? You don't know him. But I go to him all the time. Name is Jesus. You can know him. But he's a completer of this, folks. I'm not afraid of anything that man would do to me because I've already believed I received when I prayed And God's going to see to it that my blood pressure comes down in normal limits. Probably down now, now I'm halfway getting this meeting over with. But you understand what I'm saying. I'm not fearful about it. I'm not afraid the devil's going to come and kill me with a shot of Novocaine by some little doctor who's just a student. You know, you've got to have a lot of faith to have students work on you. Huh? I used to teach them. And I know there's some diligent ones and there's some not so diligent ones. But I don't have any fear about any of these things because God is with me in these. And he will complete my faith where this thing is concerned. And I don't have to receive man's condemnation, you know. All that nonsense. So anyway, it says here, straight away, verse 29. The fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed, and she would have left. But, says Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you're asking who touched me, you know. Students love to rebuke the master, don't they? Huh? Well, Jesus, I mean, it's obvious. Look at all these people. Huh? He's always ready to correct And he said, he looked around about to see the person who had done this thing. What was he, how did he know it was her? 
He picked her out. She didn't volunteer. He picked her out. Don't you know Jesus can see faith? He knows when he looks at us, whether we believe or not. If you stay in the spirit, you can do the same thing. Huh? You can tell what people are in faith and when they're faking it, when they're pretending, trying to say something to prove to everybody they got it too. You can tell religious hypocrisy when you hear it. If you stay in the spirit. Huh? And so he finds her. And he says, he says, uh, when his disciples said that, he looked around about, verse 32, to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. It's hard to, to keep a lie on the inside of you or make up a story in the presence of righteousness. Righteousness always prevails over unrighteousness. She could no more hold on and tell Jesus a lie and try and pretend like she didn't touch him. She just had to bow down and confess huh? because of what she had received from him. When you receive something holy, you want to hold on to it. Remember when Jesus had the, the, uh, had the disciples fish on the other side of the boat? They said, we toiled all night long and got nothing. And when they brought that miracle catch up, Peter, Peter fell to his knees and repented. And he said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. In the miracle atmosphere, it's impossible for righteousness to unrighteousness to prevail in that type of atmosphere. That's why many times you can get people healed in a, in a healing meeting that aren't even there to be healed. They're just there because they brought a friend or something like that and was helping the friend out. And they say, well, you know what? I had something I wasn't even thinking about coming here for myself. It was something minor. But God healed me as well. It's impossible for sickness and unrighteousness to prevail in a righteous atmosphere. And so she said, and she fell down and told him the truth. And he said to her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And be whole of thy plague. Be whole of thy plague. The completer of our faith. The completer of our faith. When she knew within herself she was healed, her faith was not completed. Didn't we say that the one at the finish line is the one who judges everybody in the race to see if they've raced lawfully? See, sometimes people can feel that they're healed and be healed. But when they feel something else, they say they're sick. You got me? So you can't go by feelings. You've got to have your faith completed in these things because if you live by feelings, you'll be right back claiming to be sick again. You got me? So when he said, daughter, go in peace. That faith has made you whole. He had to pronounce her whole because he had already pronounced her what to do to get healed. So now he has to pronounce her whole. She just can't walk up behind him and sneak a healing off of him and run off like a thief in the night. He decides to elevate her and pronounce her healed. You know why? Because so many men she had been before to get help pronounced her sick. 
And oftentimes we have to have all of that negative that was put on the inside of us cleansed out of there with the word of God that that decides that we are 100% whole. You have to have it official on the inside of you that God had that and did that for you. And so he could no more let her leave after coming up embarrassed and ashamed and just grabbing onto a healing and running out because she felt in her body that she was whole. That's fine. But is that the completion of your faith? Is that the official pronouncement over you that solidifies it and puts it in there so it can't be taken out again? Because, see, anybody can come up and touch somebody and feel better. But if that person lays hands on you and says, be healed, be whole, God tells me that you are well now and it will never return again, that's totally different from you coming up and getting it on your own and getting a feeling. You understand me? And so you have to be declared and decreed 100% healed. Remember the lepers Jesus told him, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Because and let them and see what's been done in you so that they can tell you it's okay and you can offer that sacrifice. It has to be finished. And it's not finished until the completer says that it's finished. You got me? So there's a completion of everybody's faith that must be done. I don't care what it is that you're asking for. If you're asking for help in your finances, you can get a bill paid with your faith. But how do you get get debt free? See, if Jesus is authoring and finishing your faith and he wants you debt free, you can't just go around getting your bills paid in an emergency forever when he wants you to step up higher. He said, oh, no man, anything but to love him. Don't be a borrower or a lender and don't don't be a debtor. Don't be in debt for anybody for anything. And so he wants his people to come up to that level and he is always working in us to complete that. We may see it as a burden sometimes, or I don't really, I don't need all that, or, you know, anything like that. You have these attitudes about things. But you must know that Jesus is obligated. He must finish our faith. And you see him do this with healing quite a bit. He does it very faithfully in the realm of healing. So now we got this other guy. Remember the guy with the daughter that was sick, nigh unto death? He asked Jesus to come to his house and heal him. Now, there was a centurion who had done his a little bit differently. Because of his background, he understood authority. And he told Jesus, he says, well, you don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy for you to come there. But I've seen how you operate here, and I have people under authority, and they do what I tell them to do. So if you just speak the word. That illness that's under your authority is going to leave my servant and he'll be made whole, see. So you see how Jesus will tailor make the scenario for you so that you can understand it in the way that you, that's easy for you to understand. It's not hard to grab on to faith for healing. He'll make it easy for you. You don't have to say, well, I can't, I can't lay hands on the sick because I haven't been to enough theological seminars. Or I haven't been to enough, I don't have enough degrees, I don't have enough people put laying their hands on me and giving me their mantle. And they remember the mantle craze some years back? They don't even say that no more. Prayed that devil down. Man, if you need healing, you talk to God about it. 
He'll, he'll set the, the situation. He'll set the time. He'll set everything for you. If you're in a church that prays for the sick regularly, that's your avenue. You got me? You can go up to the altar at any time and get prayer and, and be healed. And so here he is. After he talks to her, he finishes her faith. So she's made it through the finish line. He does this for her, really, so that she will get understanding of what happened in her. And it won't be a circumstance where, say, the next time she's sick, she got to creep up behind Jesus and grab his, his shawl again. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we can get religious, get in some kind of routine where we think it's got to happen the same way all the time. That's not true. Jesus has to finish it and let us know how these things are going to be completed and where they're going to be completed. And so he'll do that for us and tailor make it so that we'll understand, we'll get understanding and we'll be permanently healed. He wants you to have what he gives you forever. And so here we have again the ruler of the synagogue in verse 34, sorry, 35. It says, while he was stopping and talking to her, now he knows the seriousness of this man's situation. But here's a woman that he's authored her faith to, and she's at the finish line. So he's got to carry her through to the finish so that she has everything that he's intended for her to have as well. Just because there are a lot of people around, it doesn't mean he's not able to deal with everybody and complete everything that he's promised in everybody there's enough of god to go around that we can all have what we need we never have to feel like we're second class we got to stand in line or we're being shortchanged god knows how to reach every single one of us so here this gentleman's been standing there waiting jesus has to complete her faith i think that this whole scenario was set up for the benefit of everybody there. Because whenever Jesus speaks, he's not just speaking to one person, he's speaking to everybody there. And this, this ruler of the synagogue needed to, to understand and hear what he was telling her as well. You understand me? So when God has you in a place and he knows what you need, everything that goes on there is orchestrated to help you. Sometimes when we come into a meeting, we say, well, well, I didn't need this or I didn't need that. Or I'll be glad when we get to the part of you understand what your mind will do to steal from you. But I believe when God is in charge of something, everything that goes on there is for you. You understand it will help you. So this man standing there while he deals with this woman, you know, if it were me, I'm thinking, Jesus, come on now. It's you talking to her? She says she, she was getting ready to run out of here. Now you just stop. <laughs> Don't you know? Huh? Like the disciples in the boat. Don't you care if we, we die? Well, he's in there with you. What you do you think the water's going to kill him too? While he yet spoke, verse 35, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. Be careful of house faith. You got me? There's faith in God that's in the meeting where the anointing is, and then there's house faith. So here we have the confrontation of the faith of God, Jesus being the author and the completer of the faith. 
And we got house faith. And they're about to collide right there in the press. So he says, somebody from the house came and he said, your daughter's dead. Not tactfully, not. Hmm? Don't trouble the master any longer. Hmm? It's like, whose side are you on? Huh? Your daughter's dead. Quit talking to Jesus. Now, I've had people I love die. And see, the religious devil will want you, you to quit talking to God. Fall out with God. Because you have a loved one that dies. Hmm? It's the same devil. You got me? The same devil. It's a devil. It tells you your daughter's dead. Quit talking to Jesus. He tries to do it in a nice, cool way, in a smooth way. Don't trouble the master. But he couldn't wait for that little girl to die so he could come and be the bearer of bad news. Why couldn't he wait till they got to the house to tell him? The devil can't wait to bring you bad news. To see if he'll get you to let go of your faith. You live long enough, you'll see a lot of people leave here. And you know some of them are happy to go. Don't steal that from people. If they're done with this world and they know Jesus and they want to go over to the happily here ever, ever after, let them go. But keep serving God. He doesn't owe us people. Are you kidding me? People belong to God. They don't belong to us. They're on loan to us as long as we treat them right. We'll have good relationships with them and we'll please God. But if somebody's not feeling it and wanting to struggle and try to get it, I'm talking about people who have gotten a healing from God before. Sometimes they just had enough. God doesn't owe us. To keep them around for us. You got me? People belong to God and God belongs to people. They, they're free to make their own deal with God. And go home to be with the Lord. I'm sure my late husband has never been so peaceful as he is now. You got me? Job, wife. Huh? Bills. Jesus. It's as simple as that. You don't have to know why nothing. Huh? Just go on and take care of your little stuff you got going on. So this guy shows up at the Jesus meeting telling bad news. Couldn't wait to get there with something that would make him more important than God. That's the devil, folks. That's the devil. Anybody remember, I will exalt my throne above his. That's what's going on here. That's all that's going on here. Could have waited till that man came home to tell him bad news. But he had to beat it on down there. Huh? It's like Jesus topped this. Huh? 
Well, Jesus is the author and completer of this man's faith. He's not intimidated by somebody coming up there with bad news, evil report. He's, he's the author of Abraham's faith. Remember Abraham? Considered not his own body, now dead, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Didn't think one second, didn't give not a, a second thought to the fact that he and Sarah were as old as they were and past time, period. Now that's the faith of the Son of God. You can't do that on your own. You need God's help to do that kind of thing. So Jesus considers not what this man says. It didn't faze him one little bit. He's on his way to get this little daughter healed. He's a completer of that man's faith. If Jesus put the word in that man that says, go to my house, lay hands on her, and she will live, then he's going to finish that job. You understand me? He don't care how many people come from the death house and tell him, oh, don't trouble the master. She dead. Oh, yeah, she graveyard dead. I mean, when I left, she was cold as ice. You should have seen I left out there. That's the death squad at the house watching over somebody who's clinging to life and they're expecting death all the time. They never expected that girl to live. If they expected her to live, they would have been supporting the father at the Jesus meeting. He probably had to make a lot of enemies to get out of that house and go ask Jesus to heal that girl. But when he did, Jesus authored that faith. And when that man expressed that, that request was received by Jesus and he held on to that. So that's why Jesus isn't moved. Jesus is looking at this girl and he says, she ain't dead, she's sleeping. Huh? says it right here when that man said that jesus looked at that father and immediately the bible says immediately in a flash he told that man don't be afraid only believe he felt he felt fear coming out of that death guy's mouth going into him and jesus pulled that fear right back up out of him and he said don't you receive that you just keep believing me huh the author and the finisher of your faith. If you fall into doubt, he'll find you and bring that doubt out of you. He'll send somebody with a word to you. They'll say, well, listen, I've been thinking about you, and God told me just to invite you or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? That's finishing your faith. He's not letting your faith just lie dormant just because you're discouraged or you've had bad news. So he yanks that fear right out of the atmosphere tosses it down and tells that man don't you receive that you just keep doing what you did you keep believing me but he says don't be afraid only believe believe only believe and not doubt believe and not add anything to it don't add works to it believe only only believe let your faith stand by itself so after jesus sees the death squad getting stirred up he starts thinning the crowd out now huh he tells everybody else to stay where they are and he only has either obedient people who are submitted to him 
or people with faith to come along. I remember when, when Pastor Shirley and I were first starting, we would go to pray for people. And and I would say, well, let's go so-and-so. And she would go, and, and she wouldn't say a word, just standing there in faith while I tried to figure out if God sent me there or not. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just going, believing he told me. But she stood, and she believed with me for whatever it is that we were doing. That's faith, folks. You can pull from that faith when you need it to get the job done. And so that's why Jesus chooses those men. He said, I know when I get in a tough spot in a situation, I know who my homies are. I know they're going to be with me in there and ain't going to mess up. You don't need anybody who's trying to start their own ministry off of your, you understand what I'm saying? You don't need that at this time. You need somebody who's going to be in there with you. And it's best to ask God who to bring Try to, instead of trying to figure it out yourself. And so it says here, Peter, James, and John go with him. And he comes to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and sees, it says, the mourners and those bringing casseroles. That's what it says in one of my translations. It says the scorners, the mourners, and those bringing casseroles. Now, in the Hebrew tradition, you you could hire professional mourners to come to your home when you wasn't feeling it they would wail and mourn for you or get you stirred up they were like gifted to get everybody crying all that that's what they did and so here's a professional mourners those bringing casseroles how did they know when to cook them i mean somebody's got to be tipping them off you know the devil's got it all set up. I'm going to kill her about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So get up early and get that casserole ready so you could be the first one to console the family. Huh? He says, those that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said to them, why do you make why are you making this ado and weep the damsel is not dead but sleeping she's not dead but sleeping why is she sleeping remember when when he started his faith when the father started his faith way back at the beginning before the lady with the issue of blood all that intervention. When he told Jesus, he said, if you'll come to my house, lay hands on her, she will be. Whatever condition she was in at that time is the condition Jesus kept her in. Amen. That's why she is sleeping. She is in a coma when this guy asked Jesus to come to his house. And he, Jesus, took her and held her in that place. So he's still looking at a little girl in a coma. And these people are saying she's dead. Huh? Death can visit you. Death can descend upon you. But if somebody has made intercession for you, 
Jesus has held you in the position you were in when that prayer was made. And he heals you from that point on. It's not that he could not raise her from the dead. But that's not the request that's on the table. The request that's on the table is lay hands on her and she will be healed. That man said nothing about raising my daughter from the dead. And so when Jesus authored that faith, he offered it at a time when that girl was near death, very sick. And he held her there in that position. That's why when you pray and you believe you receive when you pray, you can't pay attention to when your symptoms start increasing. You seem to start going downhill. Any of that kind of stuff happens because he holds your soul in life. You got me? He holds you right where you are at the time you believe. So when he went in there and told them, she's not dead, she's sleeping. He said, I grabbed her before she died, and I've still got her soul in my hand, and I'm about to show you what I'll do with somebody who prays and asks me for something because I've got to complete this man's faith. I can't let death stop me and the evil report and the mourners and the scorners and the casserole makers (laughs) stop me from doing this. He had no respect for any of those people. And the Bible says he threw them all out of the house. He casts out all scorners. He casts out mourners. And he casts out unbelief. I gave somebody my Bible What I do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He threw everybody out. You cannot get a miracle in a confused atmosphere. God has to be in control totally of that atmosphere. I know when we do the, when we pray, when we first come in and I tell people, you know, we need to get uh, spirits out and people roll their eyes up and I saw you rolling your eyes at me. I don't care. You keep your devils, but they leaving here. I'm not letting any devil steal the healing that God has for anybody here. He says, why do you do this? She's not dead, but sleeps. In other words, Y'all ain't having, this changes the whole party. You got me? I don't know what y'all had lined up for tonight, but it's canceled. Huh? Y'all was getting ready to sit the family down and weep with them and all that kind of good stuff and bring more food over. Tell Nellie she don't have to cook that chocolate cake that everybody loves. She brings it to every funeral. You understand what I'm saying? Tell her don't bake that cake tonight. Sister so-and-so make them good rolls that melt in your mouth. You don't never get them till somebody dies, do you? Well, she ain't making them tonight. You got me? Everything's canceled that the devil wanted to do. Because I am here to finish this man's faith. I've got to do it. And he says, she's not dead but sleeping. They laughed him to scorn. See if they can mock Jesus and get him to forget who he is. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where she was lying. And he took her by the hand and said to her, damsel, I say to you, arise. And straightway she arose. He did exactly what this man told him that he needed to do. He held her in life the minute that request was made. 
you think that when you ask God for something, he doesn't hear you. Or maybe you didn't ask in faith. Or maybe you need to do something else. No, no, he's got this. He had that the minute that man spoke that thing. Why? Because he started that faith. It was the Holy Spirit that put it in that man's heart to ask Jesus that way. And so once the Holy Spirit put it in his heart, then the Holy Spirit has to follow up on that and complete the thing through the ministry of Jesus, through the healing ministry of Jesus. I'm telling you that there are a lot of you in here that think that your time is up for things you believe God for, that it's too late to get them, that too much has happened for you to be able to have these things. But I'm telling you, he's holding that thing for you. Because he must complete your faith. Other than that, he would be a liar. And the Bible says he cannot deny himself. He can't. So he has to complete it for you. He has to bring it to you. If it's healing your body, he has to do that. Once he started, once you've reached out to Jesus, you've gone in his word, you've read some healing scriptures, whatever it was that got your faith stirred up and got the ball rolling, he's going to complete it if you'll hold on. If you don't let symptoms talk you out of it, if you don't let the the, uh, naysayers talk you out of it. I remember when I first started learning about healing before I'd ever prayed for anybody. I would have people I would ask him, I said, well, I'm I'm going to I want to pray for for so and so and and they're sick. Oh, I remember somebody they they had that and, and God didn't heal them. You always get stories about somebody who knew more about God than you do. That's usually what they're trying to tell you. And they didn't get it, and that means you're not going to get it. And I said, well, you know what? I said, to be honest with you, God's already healed me of something. In other words, I ain't no rookie, baby. You understand what I'm saying? I got something to tell you. I tell you I was sick and depressed for five years and wanted to kill myself for five years and never did. He held my soul in life. See, when I first reached out to God to heal me of a severe depression, he had that. And it didn't matter how the devil tormented me every day and told me I wasn't worth living. Look at you. Your husband don't even want you. Huh? Did any of you ever meet my husband? Did he look like somebody didn't want me? Huh? He better not. (laughs) See, he's the author and finisher of my faith. Huh? He finishes what he starts. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? If you need prayer, we'll pray. Praise the Lord. Jesus hasn't lost a patient. He's never lost a fight. He doesn't give up. And he's not raising any any brothers and sisters that give up. Why don't you put on some music back there and we'll worship and pray for people. you need prayer you can start coming up now this piece of cloth i've been wearing we're going to cut it and i want everybody in here to take a piece of it because this is your flu shot this is your migraine chaser this is your cancer chaser that's your point of contact because the anointing's there but pastor shirley and i are going to pray for y'all and And God's going to heal you. He's the author and the completer. He's got to complete it, folks.